welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. So I want to get in, I want to get into the message this morning. We're in, we're in John and I want to pick up John's gospel right around the time when Jesus is coming full force with his, with his ministry. This is specifically right after he performs this miracle on the Sabbath day. If you're familiar with the story, it's John chapter five. Uh, Jesus sees uh, this man who has been sick for 38 years, and he tells him, hey, do you want to be healed? The man says, yes. Jesus says, okay, pick up your mat and walk. And I believe Pastor Damaris preached uh, a message on this not too long ago. And the way that John presents this miracle in his gospel is kind of the tipping point uh, for Jesus in his ministry. This was one of his more controversial ministries, uh, I'm sorry, miracles, because Uh, it was done on a day that was regarded as holy and, and consecrated. If you read up on the Sabbath in, in Exodus and uh, Deuteronomy, you'll see that there are some strict requirements uh, at attached to this, the, the Sabbath. And uh, like, you know, like many of the other 613 Levitical laws, very strict. And, and the punishment, if you break it, is very, it's pretty hardcore. It's like punishable by death if you work on the Sabbath. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about Jesus And how he comes, and he's coming saying that he's the Messiah, saying that he is the Son of God, the Son to the one who established the Levitical law in the first place, and then he breaks one of those laws. So to the Pharisees' defense, that's a little confusing, right? Because, because you're claiming to be the Messiah and, and the Son of God, and you're saying that you're equal to God, but yet you break one of your own laws that doesn't... That doesn't make sense. So again, that's why I say this was a very controversial miracle that Jesus performed. And I want to read from a, a few short passages this morning so that we can kind of see what's going on, what people are saying. The first place is John chapter 5, 18. It says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. And I want to skip down to chapter 7. Jesus has the, the boldness, the braveness, even with knowing that, that the Jewish community is trying to kill him. He gets up and he, he, uh, he says some things at this, at this feast of booths. And he says something very interesting. It's going to serve as a major verse to this whole message. Uh, verse 24 of chapter 7, it says this. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Let that sink in. We're going, to get, we're going to get more into, in, into that in a second here. And then I want to, I want to skip one more verse uh, right there in chapter 7. On the last day of this feast, Jesus, once again, he's getting up and he's saying things like, I'm the living water. If anyone thirsts, you can come to me. And, and this is the part where I really want to get to, chapter 7, verses 40 through 43. It says, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was division among the people over him. Man, Jesus was making waves back in the day. So much that, you know, today people of many faiths, people of all kinds of cultures, religions, even atheists can all agree on one thing. Jesus caused a revolution in his day. Can you agree with that? Jesus caused a revolution. He caused an uproar in his day. And now today, he's, he's easily the most widely known historical figure ever. But what was true 2,000 years ago remains true today. There was a great division among the people over him. 
Do we not still see divisions today over Jesus? I mean, since the earliest centuries, people have been saying different things about the Son of God. People aren't really sure what to believe. Some, some have said that he, wasn't a, he was a created being, that he was created by the Father. It's a heresy known as, as Arianism by Arius in the 4th in the century A.D. Others have said that, that he wasn't fully God, he wasn't fully man. That's a, that's a heresy known as Apollinarianism by Apollinaris. And so many heresies, you can read through them. I mean, they go on and on. People don't know what to think of this Jesus. And, and then you have people who say that he was nothing. He was just a good teacher, maybe a prophet. That's all he was. And even back when people were seeing Jesus doing what he was doing, the miracles that he was performing, the thousands that he was feeding, people were still not convinced that he was the awaited Messiah. So even today, there's a lot of division. Can we agree to that, church? Can I get an amen this morning so I know that you're awake? Because I'm fired up, man, but don't, don't let my fire come down, man, because of the, of the tough crowd. Come on. <laughs> and we can say, you know, people, maybe they didn't really accept him. Maybe they didn't really believe in him for, for different reasons. Maybe some people, maybe they were jealous. I was, I, I, some, some kind of revelation came to me right now. Um, well, earlier, actually. You know, it, it's, it's very possible that some people believed in everything that Jesus said about himself. But they didn't follow him because they were just jealous. Because, you know, people have an issue with perfection. <laughs> if it's not them, that's perfect. Some people are jealous of other people because they're like, oh, you're so perfect. And even and, and they, it's like they want them to mess up so that they can have some type of reason to say, see, you're not perfect. But even when someone has every reason to to win over the crowds, some because they're jealous, say, you know what? Nah. And I think that some people were jealous because Jesus was coming in and he was doing all these miracles and he was causing an uproar and he was just, I mean, he was making waves and he was perfect. And some people were like, no, nah, he's too perfect. Maybe another reason was because some people thought he was demon possessed. In chapter seven, in fact, people were accusing him of having a demon. How can you do all these miracles? How can you do all of these things? It's got to be because you've got the devil living in you. Maybe some just weren't sure. And we, we have people like that today. They're, they're just not sure what side of the fence to fall on. I think that a big reason that many people didn't accept Jesus was because he was a little unconventional. Jesus did things differently. And, and you know what? When you have leaders that are unconventional, you're going to have a lot of lovers and you're going to have a lot of haters. That's just the truth, man. You know, one of the many reasons, I say many reasons, that I didn't want to become a pastor of, of this church was, was because I thought, man, if I wanted to be unconventional, that, that's going to create some issues. I don't know if my ideas would be accepted. I've had some ideas that were a little, I, I like to think of myself as a little bit of an unconventional type of guy. And I have some unconventional ideas and I, I'm always like, man, I don't know if people are going to agree with these things because it's different and it's not the norm. And I, I appreciate, man, I appreciate people like Madi because, you know, she's, she's a little unconventional in the way that she does things and, 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 and ministry. And sometimes she'll suggest things for me to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, Madi, that's, I don't know how people are going to, you know, respond to that. I'm still hesitant to go a little full-blown unconventional because let's be honest, most people wouldn't like it. I can preach about it. You can say amen to it. You can say, yes, pastor, that's what we need. But the moment we do something a little crazy, you're like, no, that's too crazy. 
It makes me think of this pastor in, uh, in Chicago. I attended this, this conference several years ago, and he preached. And he said one of the ways that he grew his church, really the only way, was by being different, by doing things that no other church was doing in, in that city. He said, he said he bought ad space on, on, you know, on, the, on the bus, the bus uh, benches where you can purchase ad space. He said he bought ad space on all the, all the benches on, on the bus stops for his church. He said he took in homeless people and sheltered them in his church. He says something that I would ne- I'll never forget, something that was just incredibly crazy. I probably wouldn't do it. He said he ordered prostitutes. That's what I, yeah, you heard that right. He ordered prostitutes to pay for some of their time so that he could provide a meal for them and tell them about Jesus and tell them about their value and how they, they don't have to devalue themselves. They don't have to think so low of themselves. They don't, have to, they don't have to listen to what other people are saying because their creator is saying something much different and it's better. And that's unconventional, isn't it? In fact, when he was telling this story, he, he said he, he told his secretary to, to order the girls, and she was like, I've got to get a different job. Like, what, what is this guy into? <laughs> imagine that. Imagine your pastor. Imagine me telling you, hey, order these, these girls. <laughs> I would hope you would have some type of issue with it. And so I think about Jesus. I think about Jesus and the way that he presented himself to the world. His very birth, right when he gets onto the scene, was unconventional. And, and during his ministry, the things that he said, the things that he did, made the religious people shake their heads in disgust. How dare you speak to a Samaritan woman? The Jews don't have dealings with them. How dare you perform a miracle on the Sabbath? How dare you claim to be the Son of God? How dare you not let a stone an adulterous woman? That is what it says in the law. You're too crazy to be the Son of God. But had Jesus come to be like anybody else, to do the things that had already been done before, to not challenge the system, I think we would have forgotten about him already. Jesus was unconventional, church. You read about it in the scriptures, and you'll see that Jesus was very different than everyone else. He was unconventional, just like the apostle Paul was unconventional. His very audience to the Gentiles was unconventional. You don't preach to the Gentile salvation. Salvation is for the Jews. Martin Luther was unconventional. Not Martin Luther King. Him, him too, but Martin Luther, the monk who challenged the way that things were in the Catholic Church, who looked at the Catholic Church system and said, something isn't right here. We need to get back to our roots. We need to get back to how things were before he was excommunicated because he was too radical. People like William Seymour, people like Billy Graham, who lead revivals or led revivals, This pastor in Chicago, he was unconventional. In fact, Time Magazine even called him one of the most influential people. Because that's what you do when you're unconventional. You influence people. And as a result of every one of these unconventional leaders, I think that the church has made some awesome strides throughout history. But ask yourself this morning. Ask yourself. Look in your heart and and ask yourself, am I unconventional? Am Am I just like everyone else? Am I afraid to be different because of what people are going to say? Am I afraid to challenge the system because I, I, I like to play by the rules? Because change is unfamiliar? Because people might not like it? Do you run from unconventional leaders because you think they're the devil? That's what they did to Jesus. And so I want to go back here. You're still with me, right? Oh, I, I don't think I'm stepping on any, any toes this morning. 
Verse 24. Simple verse. Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the words of the man that we devote everything to. He says, do not judge by appearances. Judge with right judgment. And the tra- I looked up the translation, you know, the Greek word for the word right. You know what it means? It means right. <laughs> it, means, it means correct. It means truth. So if you're going to judge, judge based off of truth. How many of us get it wrong when we're judging people, man? It's like we, 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 we look at everything, but the only thing that we don't have is truth, is righteousness. It's like no one wants to look a little bit for a deeper meaning. We just, we just judge based off of what's on the surface. You know, people have told me before many times in my life, they say, Ryan, you're, you're too nice. <laughs> and um, when you're too anything, that's not really a compliment. If I'm nice, okay, that's a compliment. You're too nice. And people don't really say that anymore. Maybe I'm not that nice. But, <laughs> but they would say it because I think I always, give the, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. That's just that's how I've always been. You can ask Melissa. It, it, it's, it, it's annoying. And I, I know it's annoying to Melissa because to Melissa, I'm like always taking someone else aside. But I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Babe, maybe she's having a bad day. Babe, you don't know what's going on in her life. Maybe she's just rude because that's just the way she is. That's how she presents herself, right? Come on, guys. I, I know you know what I mean, right? We have those issues with the customer service thing. Um, but I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I try not to make judgments until I have all the information, as much as information as I, as I could possibly have. So if, if someone comes to me as a pastor and raises a complaint about someone else, an issue about someone else, e- even if it's small, I'm still going to look a little bit deeper because, you know, there might be truth to what that person is saying. But there also might be a little bit of emotion, bias, frustration, anger. So I'm not going to just judge based off what appears to be there. And I know and that sometimes that frustrates people, too. Like, do something about this. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get the facts right. So just know, guys, if anyone ever comes to me hating on you, I'm still going to give you the benefit of the doubt. All right. And Jesus is looking to this crowd when people are trying to kill him. And very bravely, he gets up in the midst of all this crowd. I mean, they they could end his life right there. But he gets up and he says, you know what, you guys? You guys judge based off what you see. You haven't even bothered looking deeper. When you judge based off what your eyes tell you, you're going to miss a lot of things. Because you know what? Eyes are deceptive. Eyes can be deceptive. They show you things that aren't really there. So you might, like, you, you might look at someone's profile picture and think, yeah, she's got it going on, right? <laughs> and, then, and then you get in front of them in like real life, and you're like, whoa, that's, what am I missing here? <laughs> you're missing the filter. That's what you're missing. You can't put a filter on life. <laughs> Our eyes also don't show us things that are there. We often miss the bigger picture sometimes. And I think this is where we make mistakes because when we're looking at a picture of our lives in its current state and the only things that we see are hurt and pain and frustration and divorce and, and sickness and, and poverty and death and, and, and dysfunction, th- those are the only things we see. But we don't, we don't even think that there might be something deeper beneath all of that. And we fail to remember what the psalmist says, man. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm surrounded by evil, even though I'm surrounded by things that I don't understand and confusion, I will fear not because you are with me. And I know it. 
there's something, there's something there that is good. I just have to look a little bit deeper. You know, I've heard this argument from people before who say, why would an all loving father allow his children to suffer? No doubt you've asked that before. I have. Maybe that, that'll be a, a topic that we discuss with Eric on April 28th. Why would an all-loving father allow his children to suffer? You know, there, there's been moments when I've, I've asked this question plenty of times because I'm, I'm in the middle of this, this darkest hour of my life. And yet I'm a Christian and I try to align my life with God. And I try to, try to do the things that he wills from my life. And I try to devote every day to him. And I want to be a child of God. But yet even when I'm a child of God, he still allows me as his child to experience things that I would never wish on my daughter. Let's just be honest. God allows me to go through things that I would never allow Layla to go through if I had, if I had the authority to do it. Jesus, I mean, Jesus, the son of God, God sent his only son to die. I would never do that. Does that make me a better father than my heavenly father? I don't think so. I just think it makes him a little unconventional, just like Jesus, like father, like son. And I have to know that whatever I'm in, I have to believe what Paul says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together. All things, the good things, the bad, the divorce you went through, the, the cancer that you experienced, the heartache, the heartbreak, all the bad, God mixes it in. And you're looking at it and you're like, God, what are you doing with that? That's going to taste disgusting. And then he just mixes it. And he makes something beautiful. All things work together for good. So now we can look at that picture of our lives once again. And, 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 and even though we see darkness and frustration and dysfunction and just junk, God is saying, hey, there was something good here. You just got to wait. It might, be, it might be different. It might be a little unconventional, but it's effective. God allowed Israel to, to wander in the wilderness for 40 years before taking them into the promised land. God allowed Job to suffer just to make him stronger. He allowed Jesus to endure the cross so that through him we would have a restored purpose in him. God's ways are better than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So I am going to trust the unconventional God. So he says, don't judge by appearances. Let that sink in, man. Jesus, don't judge by appearances. Don't judge by what's on the surface. Don't judge by what your limited vision tells you is there. Judge with right judgment. You with me? Come on. Because if I, if I judged by what I saw, I would have given up a long time ago. At the slightest, at the, at the slightest appearance of, of something that was spoiling, I would say, this is no good. I'm going to quit. And I think, about, I think about Job's wife. Remember Job's wife? Don't marry anyone like Job's wife. Because she tells her husband Job, who's laying down in, in what appears to be his deathbed. And she tells him, what are you doing? What are you, look at you. You can't even move a muscle without breaking a bone. What are you doing? God took away everything that you had. God took away your children, your wealth. Just curse God and die. Hey, if you're, a, if you're not married yet and you have a girl like that or a, woman or a woman or a man like that in your life, don't give up on God. Give up on them. 
Okay, because, because they're judging based off what they see. They're judging on, on, on what's on the surface, but you will judge by truth. You will judge by what God tells you, what his final word for your life is. I know that my God's a little different. I know that he's unconventional. And I know that sometimes it looks like I'm getting the biggest beat down in my life and people are just wondering, what, how is he even still standing? I have an unconventional God. And I will trust what the apostle Paul says, man. A man that suffered more than any other apostle. Where he says, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Y'all remember that? Man, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) Just because he's unconventional, and just because he's putting you through an unconventional situation, you're looking around, and all you see is darkness, and, and, and you're saying, but God, I'm a child of God, and I've done everything right by you, and I try to live my life upright and, without repro- and, and with reproach. I'm going to trust in the unconventional God. Just because he's unconventional doesn't make him not good. The things that Jesus did were crazy. Crazy. Maybe that's why you got to be crazy in love with him to follow him. Because he's calling, I believe he's calling every believer to be a little unconventional. He's calling you to think outside of the box and to look at things and to challenge the way that they are. And if they're not good, to make them good. Even if it means bending the rules a little bit. I'm not, I'm not telling anyone to go outside and like speed or something, okay? But God is calling us to be a little different. A little bold, brave, unconventional. And I believe that this applies to the workplace, this applies to your schools, this applies to the church, and especially to your faith. Man, I'm tired of being afraid to be different. And I hope that you are too. And I hope that our our leaders are too. Let's not be afraid to be different. Let's not be afraid of what other people are going to say. Let them judge by appearances, but we're going to judge by what is true. Because you can't go wrong with truth. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.